You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Hello and welcome to episode 137 of the Boys in the Booth podcast. This time, it's just myself, Chad Melbourne, joined by Casey Abrams, no Harper Cody this week. And in this episode, what we're going to do is, you know, obviously the World Junior Championship just finished and Canada won gold, as you already know. So that was great. But we're going to talk about a few players each that we spotted in the tournament who were really stood out, who really stood out to us. So that's what we're going to do. But before we get into the full episode case, how are you doing? Pretty good. I'm super excited for this week, kind of just gliding through the first few days here. But um long extended camping trip coming up this weekend out on the thousand islands doing some canoeing and stuff so i'm really excited for that and yeah like good times ahead um i just want to say it was a lot of fun watching this tournament like so nice having it on in the summer so that there's something to watch so that was a lot of like a lot of enjoyment out of this because as soon as i was done work it was like flick a game on and then wait another half an hour and another game's on yeah it's amazing exactly. how, are you, how are you doing chad good man like just like you i enjoyed watching the hockey in august like i know they were kind of like record low viewership numbers being floated around and record low attendance and everything like that but personally like I feel like I was more invested in the World Juniors this year because I, it was the summertime. I wasn't like being dragged to do this or that with like, you know, family and friends around Christmas time where I'm normally a bit more social. It, it was just kind of it was during the work week. You know, you weren't like hanging out with people to do random things. So I was just watching games all day long, like starting at whenever the first game was, and I would just keep it on. And by the way, I gotta you gotta remind me to cancel the TSN subscription there until we gotta get it back in, in December when it comes on again. But yeah, World Juniors is awesome. I'm so happy they, they finished the tournament uh, you know, on time and, and like actually had time to finish the one that was postponed and then they're going back in December to start on on time again on the 26th so that's great um i love the world juniors because it reminds you every year how to pronounce certain prospects names uh (laughs) there were a few that kind of got me which was uh atu ratu i forgot that that's the way that he likes his name pronounced apparently um and there are a few others like there's always a few so that was always good but yeah other than that like i'm just like shocked at at where the summer went because dude i start school again i start second year law school on monday like i have class on monday that's insane like it felt like the summer just started so like we're you know we're getting towards the end of the summer nhl isn't going to be back for a while so thank god we had this this world junior championship to talk about and that's what we're going to do this episode so here we go we're talking about standouts i saw an article in the athletic uh by cory Promman where he kind of he he outlined a few standouts for himself and uh, a few disappointing players as well we're going to focus on the positives here and talk about the players who really stood out to us throughout the entire tournament no matter what team they were on uh so case we'll start with you who's a player that really stood out to you at this tournament huge shout out to seat geek for sponsoring the podcast SeatGeek is a ticket app that takes all the confusion out of buying tickets. SeatGeek makes it extremely simple to buy tickets to all of your favorite sporting events, including Jays and Leafs games, and you can always find a great deal. 
On SeatGeek, all tickets are scored on a scale between 0 and 10, so you know if you're getting a good or a bad deal. Green is good and red is bad. Plus, Boys in the Booth listeners get $20 off their first ticket purchase on SeatGeek with the promo code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. So click the link in the description to download the app and remember to get your discounted tickets using the code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. Get great seats for a fraction of the cost with SeatGeek. Summer is here and you know what that means. Extreme sports like spike ball and road hockey have returned and so is day drinking. The problem is we're not as young as we used to be and these summer activities can be draining on our bodies. When you push your body hard or just feel run down, it's extremely important to stay hydrated. When you make hydration a priority, it helps you feel healthier on a day-to-day basis. Enter Liquid IV. Whether you're playing sports or nursing a hangover, Liquid IV has you covered. One stick of Liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates faster and more efficiently than water alone. It contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. It's made with premium ingredients, non-GMO, and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. The kicker? This stuff tastes good too, guys. Liquid IV has incredible hydration flavors like watermelon, strawberry, pina colada, and more, but my personal favorite is lemon lime. So get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code BOYS underscore IN underscore THE underscore BOOTH in all caps at checkout. So that's 25% off anything when you order using the promo code BOYS underscore IN underscore THE underscore BOOTH, all caps at liquidiv.com. Experience better hydration today at liquidiv.com. Shout out to Cocktail Bomb Shop for sponsoring the podcast. Cocktail Bomb Shop is a Canadian woman-owned small business and all of their cocktail bombs are proudly handmade in Montreal. Well, what is it and how does it work? Step one, you pick your favorite flavor of cocktail bomb and unwrap it. My favorite is definitely mojito. Step two, drop your cocktail bomb into eight ounces of sparkling water and watch it fizz for five minutes. Step three, add a shot of your favorite alcohol, some ice and enjoy it. Fellas, gents, boyfriends of the world, these cocktail bombs make the perfect gift for your lady friend because not only are they tasty, but they're Instagrammable as well. Right now, if you go to cocktailbombshop.ca and use the code BITV15, you can get 15% off your entire order. That's cocktailbombshop.ca. Use the code BITV15 at checkout for 15% off. So a guy in Canada that really stood out to me, and and obviously this this one goes without saying because he was a top three player on the team but one that we didn't talk about before the tournament nearly enough and a guy that really stood out to me is logan stank oven because stank oven i have to say stank oven because that's how i read his name every time i say see it because that's a funny name and all the guys call him stank it's great (laughs) but like like I said, it's no shock here. He's the CHL player of the year. Like we have to expect he was going to be good going into this tournament. But every time he was on the ice, he was just an absolute handful to deal with. His line was like never hemmed in to their zone like other lines were a couple times with Canada. And they're just creating opportunities left, right and center. And really, I think a lot of them not being hemmed in and them always being on the offense was his face offs. 
Like I had, I I didn't see the final number after the gold medal game, but it was around 70% in this tournament. And that is huge to get the puck back to these defensemen that on this team, they can just whip it around and, and the breakouts are so easy for them. So getting possession in every new or every zone and then having possession with this talented line was so, so important for Canada. And, and he just flies out there. Like he is so fast and plays big to the point where i always forget that he's kind of undersized and i'm just mesmerized in in his work ethic so i really loved watching him he had four goals and six assists in the seven games and uh, yeah just just dominated on the face-off dot so as a guy who played center always i love to watch that yeah like the face-offs to me like that's normally something where you know you you come into the nhl and that's something that players take a while to work on like you're they're not very good at faceoffs when they enter the league maybe Stankoven is going to be or Stankoven is going to be you know leading the charge for for new players coming into the league who have perfected faceoffs because like that's unbelievable to be up around 70 percent not only against you know lesser teams but in the gold medal game as well he had a really good night on the draw too so that's just extremely impressive and and like there was just so much to his game like you mentioned how they were always in the offensive zone that was key because they never had to play defense and so many guys on team canada and like the better teams in the tournament they don't really know how to play defense because they don't ever have to because they're so good they always have the puck and they always want to but we saw you know kind of early on in the tournament the mctavish and bedard line you know, that was supposed to be the big scoring line. But what happened is they kind of got hemmed in their own zone time after time. And, and they couldn't really generate anything offensively because they didn't have the puck. And then it was just such a breath of fresh air to see the Stankoven line come out and not only have the puck and, and be able to, you know, do their assignments defensively if needed, if need be, but to also generate offense as well. So Stankoven is a, is a great pick. He did really stand out. Yeah, and and there's something to be said about, you know, they kind of caught the eye of the defensive units of the other team, and that kind of, like, drew the attention away from the McTavish line and allowed McTavish to lead this tournament in points because you had to you had to still worry about this line instead. And Stankoven was, to me, the, the driver of this line, although Kent, Kent Johnson caught a lot of the spotlight. I think Stankoven was just phenomenal in this tournament. And... um with the before we move on from them with the center and the the face-offs in this tournament i don't know how to look at it i don't i don't know how to take it because one of part of me says like oh well he can win the face-off he can do that well in the dot without using his feet or his hands or anything like that yeah and then the other side of me is saying while he's winning all these face-offs against guys who can't use their feet and hands. So I don't know which way to take it, but to me it's a positive because if he's winning draws that cleanly with his stick, well, you throw the other other tools in there and look out. And you have to think if you're Dallas, you're licking your chops at the, the thought of this guy playing with maybe Robertson in the future or something like that. And like, you got to be happy with that. Yeah, and on the face-off thing too, like you can only do what you're allowed to do by the rules you know mm-hmm. like you can't you can't ever fault a guy so so the world junior rule is that you can't you can only use your stick in the draw you can't use your body like you do in the nhl or, or your skates rather and you can't fault a guy for 
you know, playing by the rules and, and being good that way. But I see where you're coming from type thing. Yeah. Let's I just, just hope picture, he doesn't get bullied when he does come to the it. league. Is I just picture, you know, like like a Sidney Crosby or someone like that who has has the the strength, has the stick skill, but also is like gets so low on the draws and, and yeah. can pivot guys and, and uses his body position to to move a guy out of the way and, and kick the puck. It's like we'll see how that goes for him. Yeah, you know, first game he plays Sid, Sid's gonna clean him up for eight eight in a row or something. Yeah. <laughs> O'Reilly's like, yeah, let's see it. Buddy. Yeah, no problem. Okay, so Stankoven, that was a good pick, and there were so many guys on Team Canada. I figure I should mention this because we kind of did this last episode too, where we talked about the World Juniors, but like. We didn't exclusively talk about the best players in the tournament. We didn't talk about McTavish much because what else can you say? He's, he was going to be incredible. He was incredible. And we kind of got everything we expected from McTavish, including the save off the goal line in overtime. That was ridiculous. I jumped off the couch for both that save and for the goal. Like I was so excited and so invested in the game at that point. And after I saw him blow the tire behind the net, I was like, man, this is going to be a sad end to this tournament. And then he bats it out of the air. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And dude, like he turned it over twice that same shift. And as soon as I, well, so he turned it over, went the other way. They got possession. It went the other way. And then it was kind of a broken play. He stepped up and missed the guy. So that created the odd man rush in the first place. Then when he's back checking, got tripped Topin Yamala off his stick, fluttering, bouncing on the line, and McTavish bats it out of the air and then clears it out of there. And I said this too when, as it happened, when we were talking about it, I was so impressed with Bedard, his patience and calmness to not also get his stick in the area where McTavish was and to just kind of let McTavish do his job and not try to be the hero, kind of knowing when to jump in and when not to. Because how many times do you see that where, you know, one guy might think he has it and then another guy or two comes in and then ends up putting it in because he's Mm -hmm. clumsy, you know? So I was impressed by that. But back to what I was saying, like the point is we're not talking about like the best players in the tournament because everything's already been said. Kent Johnson, overtime winner, gold medal, you know, like all these players. So we're talking about guys who have stood out to us. And uh, yeah, so here we go. Second guy and the first guy I'm going to bring up is a Swedish defenseman, Philadelphia Flyers pick, a bit of an undersized guy, but he is 20 years old. He's one of those guys who wouldn't be eligible to play, won't be eligible to play in Moncton and Halifax uh, this year in December, but is eligible because of the uh, how it was delayed or whatever. And he was picked 54th overall in 2020, and that's Emil Andre. Emil Andre, the Swedish defenseman, was one of the one bright spots about Sweden, and I thought he was an absolute standout. Not only was he the captain of the team, but he was probably their best player. Uh, he was he made the all-star team for the tournament, if that means anything. One of the best defensemen in the tournament. Uh, ended up getting eight points in seven games played. Great puck mover, great first, first pass, best skater on the team uh, by, by most accounts. And, uh, you know, kind of stepped up as an offensive and defensive go-to guy in place of some other players who we we more so expected to fill that role. So what do you think of Emil Andre for Team Sweden? Well, first of all, he really stepped up when Edvinson went down with an injury in the in the first couple of games. It was like immediate that you saw him step up and be the guy. And no one really 
expected him coming into this tournament to to be their their number one well man i honestly don't see this team making it to the bronze medal game without him i think there was three guys that stood out on sweden for me it's him wallstead and uh lysel which we mentioned before and god i love the creativity of that guy and the drive he's he's so great thought about bringing him up again but i had other guys i want to talk about well yeah. mil andre it seemed like every time i looked at the dv he was on the ice he was doing something and he was involved and not just defensively which he was great at but he was really the offensive driver of this team sweden who struggled to score and usually we expect them to have three snipers just putting the puck in the net well it had to be a defenseman here four goals and four assists in seven games is is awesome and i'd like to see his time on ice total but i've missed that stat somewhere so yeah he he was he was so important to that team yeah and i liked what you said like you don't think they get to the bronze medal game without him because that was a big story this year like sweden couldn't score and like having him step up, that was incredible, especially because we expected guys like Edvidson, who, you know, he battled that bug. Uh, he, he battled the, the flu or whatever. Yeah, it not, was. not injured. Yeah, I, I said that. Right. Yeah. Well, well, originally, like, I mean, because it's not the NHL, you don't know the yeah. instant it happens. Right. So they, they were even talking on the broadcast. Gord Miller was kind of I think he said injury once and then they found out the next day it was a, a, a bug. But anyways, like. You expected Edvinson and also uh, Wallander to to kind of step up the two Detroit picks there, and you know they were both good. But even when Edvinson was healthy, like he didn't stand out to me as much as I as I thought he was going to. It was Andre. It was he yeah. was the guy. And the lack of scoring really stood out on this team. When you look at Wallstedt's numbers, <sighs> you see a nine forty and a one sixty two goals against average with two losses and three wins. It's yeah. like. That to me screams like a team that uh, screams a team that can't score. Yeah. And man, like I'm so happy that Wallstead was the go-to guy this year and that he played as well as he did. I, I just wish he was able to carry them to the gold medal game because like, man, like when I watch him play, there's nobody his age that moves as well as he does. And I, I said this to you, I think I posted on the, the our story too, like he just moves so well and he's so fluid and he's so technically sound, like with his footwork, I, it's like I, I love it. it. It's unbelievable to watch as a goalie. Um, but Andre, back to Emil Andre. I looked up some of his stats because really I hadn't heard about this guy. He was kind of an older, uh, you know, one of the older players, and you expect him to to do well, right? But obviously, like we said, we didn't expect him to be so good. He played 31 games in the SHL last year. Um, he had seven assists, no goals, but you know that's saying something. The fact that at 19 years old he made an SHL team. He also played 56 games in in the Allsvenskan, which is the uh, tier two league in Sweden. Still a really good league, um, and he had 39 points in 56 games there. So, like he's he's kind of he's on the up and up. I don't know what his timeline looks like, but. He sure as hell had a phenomenal tournament. And if you're a Flyers fan, I mean, at least this is something that you have to look forward to, this kid coming through uh, and hopefully making the team within the next couple of years. Okay, Case, uh, what's who's another player who really stood out to you at the tournament? Well, one that I think I have to bring up. Uh, I don't want to make this all about points, but um I'm going to do it right here. And uh, mostly because it's a guy that I'm surprised... 
neither of us brought him up before the tournament because we were pretty high on him in the the pre-draft and that's Joachim Kemmel who this had to be a real FU tournament for Kemmel after slipping out of the top 10 it was kind of a consensus that he was going to be in the top 10 kind of known as maybe the best goal scorer on this uh in that draft well he slipped down to 17 and Nashville has to be happy with what they saw here because I mean, like I said, we saw him as a sniper and a guy with a shoot first mentality while he was putting the playmaking on display in this one and four goals and eight assists in seven games for Finland. He was just absolutely instrumental for that team to make make it to the gold medal. And honestly, I didn't really expect Finland to be there. And um, you have to expect the guy in, in second place in points to be to be pretty important in that. And uh, it was a lot of fun to watch him play because the creativity is there and and it's an exciting player to watch. Yeah. And we don't really know why he slipped out of the top 10 either. Like it seemed like he was the consensus, like even top five for a long time. It just one of, you know, one of the best scorers, he's a good skater and you know, he's not severely undersized, you know, so it doesn't, yeah. but this is that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring him up is ask this question. If this tournament happened in December, if it stayed in December, does he still get drafted in 17th or or does he move up? Oh, definitely not. Like we we know the is hold on, is that where it was? 17? Yeah. My god, I thought it was like 12th or something. My god, that's shocking. But no, like you're right. He wouldn't get picked 17th because GMs do place a lot of emphasis on this tournament whether you agree with that philosophy or not because it's on the world stage and you kind of see what a player's made of if he can, you know, step up to the plate. And uh Camel did and I guarantee if that tournament was in December he would have went higher than 17th. So if you're a Nashville Predators fan, you should be very excited. And the last thing I want to say about him is he's playing again in December. Oh yeah. <laughs> like when you have a tournament like this and and you're i think he was second in points in total points you got to be looking forward to watching him play again in december oh yeah i mean he's he's young like he was drafted this year so yeah. 17 like, at the start of the tournament i believe yeah so to be to be that young and that good like we how many times have we said this is a 19 year old's tournament or in this case this year a 20 year old's tournament <laughs> he was 18 at the start of the tournament. yeah still. but yeah to be a player just drafted like this is you can't even call it draft year plus one this is draft year you yeah. know still the draft year uh that's that's extremely impressive so good for him he did score the tying goal against Canada, though, which I must admit I was a little bit happy about because that pass to Camel, taped tape, uh, from Topi Niemela was disgusting. Well, that is ridiculous to say just <laughs> as a Canadian, um, but I will say it did make for an exciting game and the first golden goal for Canada since I think they said 2008 in the, on the broadcast. So yeah, and the amount of times. They talked about throughout the whole tournament on the broadcast, Gord Miller, Mike Johnson, uh, you know, Craig Button and uh, some other people like the amount of times they mentioned that Finland is just owns World Junior Championship overtime. The, the amount of golden goals they've scored, like they've won three of the last 10 now World Junior Championships. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe all three of those were golden goals. The one was scored by Kapanen. And I forget the other two, but I'm pretty sure that's the stat. So when when I saw that they were going to overtime and I heard all tournament long that 
that they just own World Junior Championship overtime. I'm like, oh, God, here we go. It's going to be, you know, Canada's going to lose in spectacular fashion because the Finns just own overtime. But what a finish, dude. And obviously I was happy that Canada got it done. But like I said, kind of tongue-in-cheek, I was a bit excited to see Hirvonen and uh, Niemela do so well in the tournament as well. Okay, so that's Kemmel. Definitely a good standout player. Um, I wanted to talk about Carter Mazur as my second standout player here. He was another 20-year-old in the tournament, American, uh, Red Wings draft pick, go figure. Third rounder in 2021, 70th overall. Uh, He had a really, really good tournament for the States. He finished second in total tournament goals. He had five in five games, finished with seven points. Not crazy, but nobody on the States really blew it out of the water points-wise anyways. But in terms of goals, he was one of the, the highest goal scorers in the tournament, and he looked like it. Every time this kid touched the puck... I had to ask myself and look him up on Hockey DB. I was like, who is this kid? Because he was electric. Um, you know, the USA was kind of expecting guys like, you know, Bordalo, Coronado, uh, Cooley, Nyes, those guys to be like their driving offensive weapons, at least, you know, up front. Obviously, they had Hughes and other guys on the back end too. But, you know, Bordalo had a good tournament. Coronado did. Nyes left a bit to be expected. To, you know, a bit to be desired, and same with Cooley. You know, he didn't have a fantastic tournament, or at least as good as I thought he was going to get. So then, guys like Slaggart and Mazer, who was who was my standout player, Mazer had unbelievable tournaments, and they stepped up. And it, like every time this kid touched the puck, like I said, I was just amazed. The creativity, the skill, the shot uh, was just phenomenal. So. What what'd you notice about Mazer? Did you like his tournament? Did he stand out to you as well? Well, first of all, Detroit with a sleeper pick. Yeah. Standing out in the World Juniors. Who'd have thought? What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, that's literally every one of their players. Um, I felt like every time they're like shocked about when a guy was drafted on the broadcast, it was a Detroit player. <laughs> and like, yeah. Yeah. No, like you said, I didn't know much about him going into the tournament. So I was always surprised to see he was the driver on this team and uh, uh, team usa that's certainly disappointed right now um and and how this tournament played out well he was almost a point per game in his first year in the ncaa last year and i'll be watching him this year with university of denver so i'm uh, excited to follow him now yeah so you mentioned that 38 points in 41 games with university of denver last year playing with guys like bobby brink carter savoy and uh, also, just while I did a you know quick little research on him before this episode, didn't realize this, but he was also the captain of the Tri-City Storm in the USHL, which was a team that Nice played for uh, two seasons ago. So they played together and he was the captain. So I thought that was pretty cool. Like, not only is this kid gifted offensively, or at least it seems that way from the tournament, um, but he also has that kind of captain mentality, which is just another plus. Like, Steve Eiserman enough okay please stop with these with these picks uh case any other players stand out to you at the world junior championship yeah the last one that i have like that i want to talk about not you know there's a few honorable mentions i'd love to shout out as always um but i said that i didn't want to make it all about points so i'm going to talk about ridley greg who was 
his engine was on full display in this tournament. This was in a shock. We knew about his engine. That was the talk at the draft about this guy. But man, he was the heartbeat of that team, of Team Canada, up until his in- injury. And you could tell that the coaching staff had no fear in playing this guy and his line against anyone on any team. And that, like I said, with with the other line, really opened the door for for the Bedard McTavish to to kind of have an easier matchup because you put Ridley's line out against the other team's top scoring line. You match up well with um, Stankoven's line out there against the other team's defensive line. And it's like, well, that leaves the door open. And, and that really does play a lot in the, in these tournaments matchups and, and where you can play your, your stars. Well, if, Ridley played the whole tournament. I don't think there is a doubt that he would be in the conversation for the top three players on the team. Um, it was a lot of fun to watch him. And there was a lot of sense player uh, prospects that were, were fun to watch while well, he stood out the most to me and he drives the net. Like oh, yeah. he goes right to the crease. He'll go through three guys if he has to, but he is not looking to play a European style at all. He goes right up the middle and that's just so refreshing to watch in this tournament. Cause there is a lot of perimeter play, especially when you're watching like Sweden, for example, but that's yeah. how they play. And, and that's not necessarily a negative if you can do it right. Well, you don't have to do it right. If you're driving up the middle and, and, and getting the puck on net and, causing chaos every time you're on the ice and you know it wasn't all his his defensive play and his engine on display he did have three goals and three assists in the five games he played so i think it would have been maybe even a cakewalk in the finals if he was on the ice yeah i mean like there's a lot there the first thing i wanted to touch on was the perimeter play because i noticed that too there was a lot of perimeter play from teams like sweden and finland uh i guess that's just the product of having more ice when you know in in their regular leagues and it's kind of it's almost like a dance like do you notice it's kind of like a dance with with these swedish and finnish players like they're outside they come into the slot into the into the house when they need to and when it's convenient to score but then they bounce right back out it's it's like a it is like an art form it really is and i i love watching it there and fabian Liesel is a guy who did it really well um but going back to to ridley Gregg, what, what we're talking about here he looks like an ottawa senators player like not talking about the Ottawa Senators of the past. I'm talking about this current team here. He looks like he'd fit right in playing with a guy like Brady Kachuk because they play a similar style, just balls to the wall the entire game, like not afraid to get in your face, not afraid to stir things up or drive the net or, you know, put pucks on net or and play that hard-nosed hockey. I, I love the way he plays. And engine is a good word for it because – he has an engine and it never stopped that tournament until unfortunately, you know, he was forced to leave the game and, and didn't come back. But, you know, you noticed how important he was to the team when he did, when he was forced to leave the game with injury, because that was, you know, dramatic in shaking up the entire lineup. Like they, mm-hmm. team Canada had to completely changed their philosophy because Ridley Gregg became the the go-to guy in any situation and the most trusted player on the ice because you knew, you know, unlike maybe some other younger, maybe more talented or skilled players that Gregg wasn't going to 
you know, try a spinorama pass or, or like do something crazy. Like he was going to get the puck in and work hard. Like, you know, yeah. and that, that was his, that was his game. So Greg for sure stood out to me and the Sens have a great player in him. That's for sure. Uh, I had one more guy who I wanted to bring up who really stood out uh, this tournament to me. And if Harper was on the podcast right now, he would really probably appreciate me bringing this player up. Actually, he probably would have brought this player up already. So uh, it has to be Yuri Kulich. He was the Czechia forward, one of their best players, if not their best. I guess Jan Mishak, it's pretty hard to argue that he wasn't their best player. Uh, but he was another guy who was drafted this year 28th overall okay, by Buffalo in the first round. So another young guy, he's just 18. He had seven points in seven games. And every time he was on the ice, I noticed that he was making something happen. Like we talk about, you know, maybe Sweden not being able to uh, get to the bronze medal game without having a guy like Emil Andre or, or Jesper Wallstedt. Well, if the Czechs didn't have Yuri Kulich, there's not a chance they're getting past USA because mm-hmm. Kulich was the guy it, who was set up on the power play as as their shooter. He was, you know, the guy who was driving the offense, him and Meshack. Like he every time he was on the ice, I noticed him, which is you know, shocking and not. It's shocking because he's so young. He was drafted this year and he wasn't a high pick. Like he was, I mean, you know, relatively speaking, he was a 28th overall pick. So you expect guys who are this young to to kind of stand out if they're, you know, a, a top 10 pick or a top five pick if they're playing type thing. But Coolidge wasn't. He was a late first rounder. You know, there were some doubts about, you know, his his strength and size and everything. But man, he can shoot the puck and he can make great passes as well that's not really his bag i think he's more of a shooter and and the speed the top end speed really stood out to me as well so so him standing out was was you know a bit shocking like i said because he was a bit younger but also not that shocking because he played on czechia who didn't have you know a ton of 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 weapons him and meshack but i just thought every time he was on the ice he was one of the best players yeah, what I'll say about Coolidge is watching Czechia play, they played with size and speed and were, relatively speaking, obviously these are all talented hockey players, but yeah, yeah. relatively speaking to the rest of the tournament, seemed a bit sloppy. Like there wasn't mm-hmm. that top end skill level at all times. Well, there was when he was playing. Mm-hmm. When he was on the ice, it was expected that they're going to play with skill and they're going to move the puck well. And really, it was that th- those two that you mentioned at the top of this this part, um, him and Mishak, uh, like those two stood out as talented, skillful players on this team. A team that looked good. I, I won't they deny did. that. They yeah. they were a good team. They played well together, but it wasn't it's not the smooth hockey that you saw from obviously Canada, Sweden, Finland, USA, and Switzerland honestly plays that that smooth hockey. It wasn't the chippiness like I saw in, in Czechia's games, but uh, the game was certainly different with Coolidge on the ice. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I just loved watching him. He made a difference, and uh, he, I believe he got the empty netter as well against the States to eliminate them. So that's just unbelievable. I, c- I can't believe USA didn't even you know get a medal or even play for a medal this year. I think it's going to be a different story come Christmas time when they've got mm-hmm. all their weapons back. Um, 
you know, but that being said, Czechia will have some weapons back as well. They'll have uh, Yuri Slavkovsky, I would assume, uh, if if Montreal lets them go, and uh, Philip Mazur or Mashar, however you want to say, the other Montreal pick. Also, uh, uh, oh God, I'm thinking of Slovaks. That's what I, that's what I meant to say. I'm thinking of Slovakian. Yeah, my bad. But the point is, teams are getting weapons back at the next tournament, and uh, yeah, I guess we'll see how that turns out. Any honorable mentions before we wrap up this episode? Yeah, like I didn't want to bring up three Canadians, so I left this guy <laughs> off, but I want to talk about Olin Zellweger. He was that standout defenseman for Canada. They have one every year. Last year, it was like uh, Gooley and Powers. Well, it was Zellweger this year. He was on the ice all the time. He was dishing the puck on the power play. He was breaking the puck out. It was like every time he had the puck on his stick in the Canada zone, I just felt comfortable. I was like, okay, it's getting out. Like no matter like what way he has to do it, it will not be in the back of Canada's net. So it was a lot of fun to watch him. Um, Great skater. That's really my honorable mention player. My honorable mention team was Latvia. This is the best they've ever looked in a in a tournament i'm not just saying that because they won a game but i'm i'm saying that because every game well not every game <laughs> <laughs> i but, think canada pumped them pretty hard <laughs> yeah there was a couple games that they were in it they went to a shootout they won a game it was like i don't know I, i'm mixing up how their tournament went in my head but well, they won one which was their first good. preliminary victory in the world juniors ever czechia and lost to slovakia in the shootout yes exactly yes that's where i was going with this they looked good they they played really well again there's always that that goalie that stands out on a poor team and that was them this tournament last year it was germany with uh same goalie they had this year bugle bugle yeah um so yeah they, they were fun to watch um i think it's always good for those teams to have success. Um, it's always good for their program. You know, maybe they'll get more kids involved. So we saw this. It's happened with Slovakia and, and how they've been playing. It's happening with Germany. It's happening with Switzerland. It's like, I'd really like to see more competition in this tournament. So it starts with teams like Latvia having, having a good showing. For sure. Um, we talked about Sens prospects as well. A uh, couple honorable mentions was the goalie Marilainen for Finland, who didn't play in the world in, in, in the gold medal game, but he was really good all tournament. And same with uh, the other Finn, Yervente. Yervente, yeah, he. That's was who I brought well. up as my player to watch. Yeah, for that exact go. reason. There you go. He was good. Um, I had a few other honorable mentions too. We already talked about Fabian Lysel or Liesel. Which makes sense because he, he's Swedish. Lee Sell, I heard that it, it being said that way a bunch of times. You know, you don't call them, you don't call him William Nylander. You call him William Nylander, Fabian Lee Sell, not Lie Sell. So I guess maybe we should change there, going back to learning how to pronounce all these names at this what about Nyquist. Yeah, it's a good one too. Yeah. yeah, there you go. That's a counterpoint. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but then also, you know, so Lysel was one of my honorable mentions. Atu Ratu, who we brought up as well. Uh, another honorable mentions. 10 points in seven games, man. I can't believe he went like 52nd overall when he was supposed to go first. Um, and then another player had to bring up was Ronnie Hirvinen. I thought he had a really great tournament. Leafs prospect, um, you know, second rounder from a couple of years ago. 
sort of gets underrated compared to Topi Niemela, who a lot of Leafs fans are really excited for and is arguably the Leafs' you know, best prospect right now. But Hirvonen, man, being the captain of that team, he had a really great tournament offensively and defensively and kind of just left it all out on the ice there. And, and I really hope that you know, we see this guy in Toronto over the next couple of years because I think there's a bit more to that player than I originally thought, and I'm just excited to see it. Uh, a couple guys, too, that I expected a bit more out of, uh, you know, of course, I'm talking about the Leafs here, but was Matt Nye's three points in five games is a bit disappointing for the the big power forward. But then again, everybody on USA was a bit disappointing, including Logan Cooley, who is another guy I expected a bit more of, uh, you know, the fact that he went third overall, you would expect he comes out and lights the lamp but you know we didn't really see that I mean he had six points in five games that's not you know that's nothing to scoff at but I just would have thought you know going third overall and being rumored that you know he was in the conversation to go first overall he might have had a better showing so those are two U.S. players who I who I really thought you know I kind of expected more from I would expect him to have a big one in December exactly um I know that we wanted to stay away from the negatives yeah uh mostly because we don't want to rag on 18 19 year olds well i'm not going to rag on an 18 or 19 year old i'm going to rag on someone else (laughs) the fun little segment here okay um i'm gonna bring up the fact that 50 percent of the games i was super invested listening to the broadcast and drawing enjoying the broadcast and then there was the 50 percent that craig button did Mm. and i chose to stop listening and sometimes listen to a podcast or listen to music with the game on mute because i didn't want to listen to him anymore yeah it's not just because he stands 10 feet from the mic and yells at it so you can hear him it's the old mentality of hockey that he brings every single time and then the fact that he picks one thing to talk about and then just hits that nail beats that dead horse for the rest of the game it actually drove me insane the the game that i watched where he was talking about he was doing the color for sweden it was so annoying it was like in the first five minutes he brought up that they are a perimeter team and that they kept shooting from outside of the um the home plate yeah well after that every single shot they took that was not in the middle of the slot he was like ah you're just not going to generate anything from out there that's around the outside you got to get in inside and you know he just ragged on that all night and then the other one was in the shootout slovakia and latvia oh they're going in too slow oh they're they're not going in fast enough you can't put yourself on the backhand (laughs) oh yeah a third of all the shootout goals in the nhl are scored on the backhand but don't ever go to your backhand i just can't listen to him rag on the same thing for the whole for like 10 minutes straight it drove me insane and it just bad takes just bad old style hockey takes mike johnson was great I loved listening to him. And, you know, someone does something highly skilled, not just in this tournament, but in the NHL. You know, Mike Johnson's like, oh, my God, how did they do that? That is so (laughs) talented. I played in the show and I could never do that. Like, I would never even think about doing that. That's amazing. Yeah. They do it with Craig Button. And he's like, oh, now, see, he he put himself out of position there. It's like, dude, let the 
talented kids do talented kid things. Yeah. At the fun tournament. Like this is yeah. literally, it's the most fun these kids will ever have playing on the international stage. Let them have fun. Yeah. No, I, I feel that, man. And we talked about that. And, you know, I, the problem is uh, Craig in comparison to pretty much everyone else on the broadcast is is a time capsule he's just stuck in his ways and like not not saying that like craig is terrible because you know i think he can be okay at times it's just it's it's not very refreshing to hear the same take over and over again and that's why mike johnson is just a breath of fresh air and i've been saying this forever like you know mike johnson is one of the only uh color analysts you know between the bench guys including ray ferraro because ray's good too um who who played so has that experience but also understands and gives some sort of uh you know gives some sort of credibility to analytics as well so he kind of does both and i think you need that I, i i don't think you can lean in entirely to analytics despite being a guy who who likes them and i don't think you can lean in entirely to just playing your, your playing experience so i like how mike johnson does both mike johnson was was great and really fun to listen to unless you're a ref because he yeah, yeah. <laughs> he got on them a couple times he did but what i'll say i won't say all negative things about craig button i will say that i think there's a place for him still as like the analyst um in between periods of nhl games I agree. he does he does do a good job in those segments but those are little bursts he's not he he's bringing up his point that he has to make he'll talk about it he does do a good job in the way that he he brings up whatever he wants to talk about it's the 20 minutes of him bragging on the same thing that drove me insane yeah. uh also in the nhl you know you can still sort of have that old school mentality and get away with it i don't think you can in this tournament so i really really missed ray ferraro and i think that's the only reason he was there yeah yeah 100 like you need okay like we've, we've talked about this for a while and we probably want to wrap up but like you need a bit of both like i mentioned and i think you're totally right that there's still a place for that old school mentality um between periods and you know because then you have different people who represent a different opinion yeah ideally and then he comes in with the old school opinion and then you hear some pushback from you know maybe a guy like o-dog who is also on the tsm panel who you know although he had he's stuck in his player days he also loves the new skilled stuff and then you know you kind of get the back and forth whereas when you know you've got 20 minutes of him talking or, or really 60 minutes you know 20 times three then he just you know it sounds like the same repeated uh you know take over and over and that just gets stale so quick and so i totally get where you're coming from uh last thing i wanted to say unless you had more on the the commentator stuff Uh, one one more thing on commentators super quick love cheryl pounder yes i could listen to her the whole time she's the best she's good (laughs) she's really good and uh i forget who the other uh woman team canada player was who was also doing it now she's a broadcaster i I forget her name it's it's this is the first time i've seen her though do this tournament and she was really good too as a host kind of like taking on the duffy role uh her and cheryl pounder between periods i thought they were both great um okay so last thing i wanted to say was just i had three players who i wish i saw more of in this tournament and really it's only one um but there are kind of three two are Shane Wright and Uri Slavkovsky. I wish they played. 
I wish they just played in this tournament. I know they're getting ready for training camp, but I would have just liked to have seen, you know, where it went for these players. So that would have been great. You know, Slavkovsky getting picked first overall. Shane Wright expected to go first overall, drops to fourth. I would have liked to see how they both perform in this tournament, but of course we'll never get to see that now because they probably won't play, right? Are they... No, I guess they can play. They can play this year. So maybe we will see it if the teams let them. Um, And the other guy I just wish I got to see more of was Sebastian Casa. Uh, the, The Detroit Red Wings pick, the goaltender... Team Canada's backup. We saw him play in, in, I believe, only one game, right? And and he was okay. He had that one play where he was, had the diving poke check <laughs> out to the like blue line almost. So that's not really something to be remembered for in this tournament, especially when you were the only goalie in this tournament to get picked higher in the draft than Jesper Wallstead. And the reason I say I wanted to see more of Sebastian Casa is because I looked at Wallstead's game and thought there can't be a guy his age who's better. Like, and I don't understand why he was the second pick or the second goalie to be picked in that draft. But again, I guess we'll see, but we won't really know until we see both guys duel head to head. So that was just a guy I wanted to see more of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Cosa, it seems like with Canada, they always have one goalie. They, they, They play both in the preliminary they find the guy who's hot and they go with them. It doesn't really matter when they're drafted, where they're drafted, if they're drafted. It could be Devin Levi coming out of this CJ. Yeah. But they find the guy that's hot and they go with it. And that was Grant or yep. Garand or Garand's dad. Yep, that's right. I think this <laughs> that made no sense to me. Ow. 18 times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he said, you know, and and that's, you know, it's a story they have to do. But it was. Yeah, Dylan Garand, but if you ask his dad, who it's his birthday today on the World World Junior, you know, final game, eh, he says it's Garand, but he says, or whatever. Anyway, that was the whole story, and it was annoying. But anyway, Case, anything else to add before we wrap no. up? Okay. No. Okie doke. Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 137 of the Boys in the Booth podcast. We'll chat next week. Bye-bye. This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at www.patron.com slash boysinthebooth.